We kick off a brand new series today, and I am, um, I thought I was going to be excited about it, but then as, I've, as I'm preparing and I got closer to today, I'm more excited than I thought I was going to be. Um, you say, man, I'm pumped. We're going to be mostly in the book of Exodus. You know, a lot of people wouldn't be like, yeah, you know, Exodus, like rage. Um, but man, I'm telling you. God is going to speak to us, I believe, in a real way, in our series entitled Imperfect, Imperfect. Um, I'm getting feedback in the um, monitors, pretty bad. Am I off? It's just like screaming at me. Um, Imperfect, Imperfect. I qualify, everyone here today, if you are here, you qualify imperfect those of you watching online you may have stayed home because you didn't qualify uh today for the imperfect series because I, I mentioned the last couple of Sundays if you're perfect this is not the series for you so welcome to our perfect people uh that, that aren't able to be here today because this series does not apply to perfect people so listen if you have friends that you've been considering bringing a church with you if they're perfect leave them at home all right if they are imperfect invite them for next Sunday okay that's that's the way we're going to do this but today's introduction sermon is simply titled let go and watch God let go and watch God I, I how many of you heard the phrase let go and let God hear that phrase I've heard it too um, I changed it just a little bit because I it has kind of the connotation that like we're holding God back and if we'll just you know we can let him you know up to us uh i just i like let go and just watch god watch god how did we get here we're going to be in exodus chapter 2 exodus chapter 2 this morning how did we wind up in the book of exodus in chapter number two how do we wind up with the birth of this man moses if you remember back a couple of years ago we preached a sermon series through the end of the book of genesis genesis chapter 37 through the end of the book 50 and that sermon series was called no average joe and we preached about the life of joseph a lot of truths that we learned through the life of joseph but his life ended with his family roughly 70 people being brought to egypt during and after the famine you remember the story joseph goes through all the difficulties sold into slavery potiphar prison but he's second in command under Pharaoh, and he's in charge of distributing all the food for the famine. And he saves his brothers who had sold him into slavery. And he uh, reunites with his father, who thought he was dead. And he brings his family, his extended family. He's able to bring them to Egypt. That's roughly 70 people. Rewind it a little bit further through the Abrahamic covenant. Th that plays heavily into the story of Moses. Selections from this unilateral covenant, meaning no conditions on this covenant. It was all God. It had nothing, there was not a stipulation on this covenant. There's a unilateral covenant from God to Abraham. It can be found in Genesis chapter 15. And here are some selections, uh, some verses between verses 13 and verse 21. I'm not going to read every verse, but I'm reading some selections from that text in Genesis chapter 15. Then he said to Abram, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. And will serve them. And they will afflict them 400 years. This is many years before 
This is during the Abrahamic covenant. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Verse 16. But in the fourth generation they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. On the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Saying to your descendants I have given this land. The promised land. From the river of Egypt to the great river. The river Euphrates. From the Nile to the Euphrates. And then all the ites here. The Kenites. The Kenezites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, we know them well, uh, Rephium, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites, all the Ites, the Ite family. But part of the Abrahamic covenant. Another part of that covenant, he told Abraham to be fruitful and to multiply, and multiply they did. According to Exodus chapter 12, the Israelites now numbered 600,000 men plus women and children. So they started out with 70 in the land of Egypt after Joseph, his family. And now when we pick up in Exodus, by Exodus chapter 12 at least, there are 600,000 men and women and children. There was a lot of fruitfulness and a lot of multiplication. Once again, just part of the covenant being played out into our eyes. As you can imagine, or as you remember, Joseph had earned the trust and the favor of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt at the time. However, in Exodus chapter 1 and verse 8, the Bible tells us, Now there arose a new king over Egypt, a new Pharaoh, who did not know Joseph. You remember Pharaoh loved Joseph. He wanted Joseph's family to come. Well, over the years, that Pharaoh passes away. A new Pharaoh comes on the scene. He's like, I don't. I wasn't here for the famine. I didn't know what was going on. I, by the way, there's a principle there uh, that, that what you're there for, like for instance, uh, this merger in our church, you're going to uniquely have a connection to this merger in our church. 30 years from now, there's going to be a whole lot of people that are involved in our church who won't have that same connection because they just weren't, they didn't know it. They weren't here, right? It's just natural. Well, that's the same thing that had happened. That Pharaoh just, he didn't understand the relationship that the Israelites had with the Egyptians. And so he began to view the Israelites as a threat. Can you imagine you had a, a whole nation of people in your country, 600,000 men plus women and children, and he started saying, hey, listen, they're not far away from just being able to claim this land and throw me out as the pharaoh, as the king, as the ruler. And he started seeing them as a threat. And so he puts taskmasters over them and begins to institute the slavery of the children of Israel. By the way, once again, another reference back to the Abrahamic covenant. And so he puts them as slaves, and they begin to work in hard labor prison. Here it plays out in Exodus chapter 1. I just read three or four verses. Verse 11, Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pythom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel, scared to death of them. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. They made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. Trying to control the, the population of the Jews, Pharaoh unsuccessfully attempts to force the Hebrew midwives into killing 
all male newborns. So they're slaves, and he says, listen, all the slave mothers and midwives, if you have a son, you've got to, you have to kill that son. They obviously did not go along with it, but then Pharaoh decides to mandate this genocide throughout the land. The very last verse of Exodus chapter 1 says this, So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Genocide. I like to look at it as automatic abortion of every male son. Israel needed redemption. Israel was in bondage. Israel was in slavery. Israel had a death sentence on it. Listen, you kill all of the boys and you're just a generation away from non-existence. You kill all the girls, you're the same way. But it just so happened they killed the boys. The persecution from the taskmasters was increasing. They were serving with rigor. And this is where we find ourselves. In Exodus chapter 2. This is where God is going to raise up an imperfect leader. This is where God is going to raise up a man who will be a deliverer. This is a special man, Moses. Let's read our text for this morning. Exodus chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And a man of the house of Levi, his name was Amram, we'll find that out later, went and took as his wife a daughter of Levi, Jochebed. Okay, Amram's the husband, Jochebed is the wife. So the woman conceived and bore a son, this is during that time of persecution, she conceived and she bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister, her daughter, stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside, and when she saw the ark, among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, she sees what's going on, she comes down, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Let's pray together as we briefly unpack our text in a sermon entitled, Let Go and Watch God. Heavenly Father, speak through your word. Speak through this series. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In order to 
free his people to worship him, in order to free his people and to give them that land that he had promised in the Abrahamic covenant. God raised up an earthly mediator, an earthly deliverer, a earthly, an earthly savior named Moses. Let's walk through this text kind of thinking through the lens of his parents as Moses comes onto the scene. His father Amram and his mother Jochebed. Let's see first this morning the wickedness of the culture. The wickedness of the culture. Amram and Jochebed were expecting a baby, not knowing if it would be a baby boy or a baby girl. Imagine there is a death warrant in the country for every baby boy that is to be born. And your wife is expecting, and back in those days, obviously, there were no ultrasounds. Now, the ultrasounds we have today, I mean, you got kids in there doing, like, breakdancing, flashing peace signs to the camera, flexing, um, and we can see it all. Well, back in those days, like some people still choose to do today, by the way, raise hands. Did anyone not want to find out the gender of any of your children? Raise your hand if you did that. You did not find out the gender. All right, a couple, a couple, okay. All right, some people still do that, and like they get ready for it, like, hey, we'll, we'll see. Um, but this, in this day and age, you couldn't. There was no way. And so imagine the joy of God is blessing us with a child, immediately followed with the anxiety of there's a 50% chance that if this child is born and it's a boy, it will be killed. Genocide. Imagine the anxiety, imagine the wave of emotions as the days approached for her to have her child. Not only that, but they found themselves in the middle of hard labor slavery. They found themselves in the middle of Amram going to work all day and being beaten by his masters, no doubt, and being uh, given uh, bricks to carry from one spot to the other and just uh, hard labor slavery. Slavery, genocide. As I said earlier, I would actually maybe for 2020, I would use the word automatic abortion to the young boys. Friends, can I say this morning, God does not promise us a perfect set of circumstances in which to easily live out our faith and our lives as followers of Christ. Let me repeat that. God does not promise us advantageous, perfect, good, sunshine circumstances, okay, in which to easily live out our faith as followers of Christ. In fact, Scripture is riddled with people who lived, who lived through very difficult circumstances and lived their faith as followers of Jesus Christ. In fact, there's not many stories in the Bible that say so-and-so was born, everything was great, everything went smooth, they became an adult and became an amazing spiritual leader. Everything was great their entire life. Name me one. It's not there. So I would say this. If you say, man, my life has not been easy. My circumstances are difficult. You don't know the way I was raised. You don't know the way my parents treated me. You don't know the situation in my family. You don't know how messed up we are. Well, guess what? Welcome to being a perfect candidate to being greatly used by God. Welcome. Hey, if life's been good to you, if everything's just been fine and you've not had any issues or struggles in your life, just wait. If you want to be mildly and greatly used by God, I promise you, he's going to refine you. 
And Amram and Jochebed were faced with these impossible circumstances. Can you imagine having your child not knowing what it will be and having your baby and finding out it's a boy? And just the wave of emotions that goes over a mother knowing that she just gave birth to a boy who would be completely annihilated by the genocide of that day. We must embrace this statement, church, and we must understand this statement. And you've probably heard it before. The darker the night, the brighter the light. Hey, the darker the night, the brighter the light. Pastor Josh, I don't like the culture. I don't like what's going on around us. I don't like the way, I don't like the way freedom of speech is turned into seemingly a pitting one side against the other and, and hate from this side and hate from this side. I don't like the way our culture is. Well, the brighter, the, the darker the night, the brighter the light. I don't like the fact that I go to work and, and, and all this is shoved down my throat and, and it's wickedness and it's ungodliness that's shoved, up, shoved down my throat. Well, the darker the night, the brighter the light. In a greater context, Moses was born during a season of spiritual barrenness for the children of Israel. And God tends to do his greatest works during those spiritual barren seasons. Think of the state of Israel at the birth of Christ. A time of oppression under the Roman Empire. 400 years of basic silence even from God. There's another, by the way, another 400 years. There was a 400 year period of, of slavery. There's now this other 400 year period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But this time of oppression, think of Christ coming as the children of Israel under Roman oppression. They were not faithful to God, yet he sent Jesus. Think about the state of the church at the time of the Reformation. The church had been riddled with heresy and immorality throughout the church, and they were pulling away from God, yet God, in his providence, had a man named Martin Luther challenge the, the, the church of the state. And his challenge was basically, I read the book of Romans. And God sent the Reformation. This is what we have here. The Israelites are experiencing slavery and spiritual barrenness, and they were not being faithful to God. Yet he sent them an earthly mediator, an earthly leader, a savior, and his name was Moses. Think about this. Amram and Jochebed did not know. They did not have a, a prophetic word from God to say, hey, listen, the son that you have inside of you when you birth him, he is going to lead the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. They didn't know that. Think about it, families. Think about it, mom and dad. Amram and Jochebed did not know Moses had this calling on his life. They didn't know. What were they doing? They were doing exactly what they thought was the right thing to do. It didn't matter if Moses would have grown up to be a slave in Egypt. They believed in what they believed in, and they made decisions appropriately, no matter what the culture said around them. They were faithful to their God, and they were faithful to their faith. And this morning... No matter the wickedness of the culture, no matter what's going on around us, we need men and women of God and families of God and churches of God who will come together and say, listen, the brighter, the darker the night, the brighter the light. The darker this world is, the, the, the more dark we, we see our culture in, hey, the brighter the light shines for Jesus. But not only do we see the wickedness of the culture this morning, but secondly, I want us to see this, the boldness of faithful parents. We just mentioned it. 
the boldness of faithful parents. Look at chapter 2 and verse 2. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. When she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. Jochebed has Moses. I'm sure the discussions inside of the house were, how, what are we going to do? How long are we going to be able to hide this? I mean, we can't hide this forever. I, I'm sure, just thinking logically here, I'm sure that as they put clothes on the child, and maybe the child's hair, maybe, maybe the child didn't, wasn't recognized as being a boy right off the bat. Uh, how many of you have ever made that mistake? Let's be real. How many of you ever made that mistake? You see like a kid, and you're like, oh, isn't she cute? And it's like a little baby, and it's like, his name is Charles. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. I didn't know it was a boy. My bad. He had clothes on, not much hair. I didn't know what to say. But uh, I'm sure that after a while, you couldn't really, you couldn't really get away with that. And think about the discussions that Amram and Jochebed had. Would they press forward in faith or would they make their decisions in fear? Hey, by the way, 2020, by the way, uh, church family, are we going to press forward in faith or are we going to make decisions out of fear? And Amram and, and Jochebed boldly pressed forward in faith. Boldly they constructed a small vessel sufficient to keep Moses afloat. As a, as a small newborn baby. Boldly they laid him down. Boldly they released their grip. Listen to me parents. Boldly they gave up their control. Of their three month old. Boldly they acted in faith. Boldly they let go. And watched God. Boldly, they said, it is literally out of our hands. God, you've you brought us thus far. For three months, God, we've hidden this baby boy. We can hide him no longer. God, it's out of our hands. And now we're operating in faith. And by the way, if you knew the outcome, it wouldn't require faith. For some of us, control... control fellow control freaks in the room, like me, if you know how it's going to come out, it's not faith. It's pretty simple. But they let go, and they watched God. Parents, this morning, I don't know if it speaks to you like it speaks to me, but I so often find myself holding on very tightly to my role as father. No, neither one of my girls are in here right now, so I won't embarrass them. But I hold on to my role as father. I'll be honest with you, as a, as a man, I embrace that role. I, I got to be honest with you, it was a couple years after my, la my youngest was born. I struggled for a little bit. I'm like, man, I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm a kid that just had kids. I have no clue what I'm doing. By the time Avery turned two, I said, you know what, this is, this is it. I'm embracing my role. This is what it is until whenever. But if I'm not careful... I can take that and I can hold on to my daughter so tightly. I want, I want to make sure everything is perfect for them. I want to lead them. I want to be the one that my, my daughters look up to. I want to be the one to make decisions in their lives that would keep them from, from harm. If I'm not careful, I want to be the one and I want to be the one 
And certainly we should strive to be good parents. And we should strive to be godly parents. We should strive to be biblical parents. But part of being good parents and part of being godly parents and part of being biblical parents will often include letting go and watching God. Letting go and watching God. You say, my kids aren't three months old anymore like Moses was in this story. Well, even more so, parents of adult children. Sometimes letting go and watching God is more difficult, I've been told, when they turn 18. And they can do whatever they want to legally in the state and in the country. And then when they turn 21, it's a whole, that's, that's, a, that's a long three years. They turn 21, they really can do anything they want legally. Let go and watch God. Stop putting your hands all up in their business and in their lives and let God draw them. Let God work on them. You present your kids to God in faith knowing that he can work it out in his providence. Amram and Jochebed were the faithful remnant in this story. The faithful remnant that we hear so much of throughout scripture. There was always a faithful remnant here or a faithful remnant there. Well, Amram and Jochebed were the faithful remnant here as parents. Faithful parents. Spiritual parents. Bold parents. And this morning, parents, I challenge you to live a life of boldness and to be willing and ready to say, okay, God, she's yours. Okay, God, he's yours. That doesn't mean that you don't continue to try to be an influence in in your son or your daughter's life. That doesn't mean you don't try to teach them right from wrong. That doesn't mean that you don't try to pour everything you can into their lives. No, no, that's completely fine. But at the end of the day, in faith, they're God's. They're God's. And if we understand identity, our identity series, something I said over and over again in our identity series is, I am not primarily a father. I am a child of God that has been given the temporary duty of being a father to my daughters. I am first a child of God, and I've been given the temporary duty of parenting my children. Lastly this morning, I want us to see this, the God who providentially provides. The God who providentially provides. I'm not going to read the verses for lack of time this morning. But chapter 2, verses 5 through 10, we see the story of them putting, pushing the child out into the water in that little basket. You see the daughter of Pharaoh. You see her come to bathe, and she has her maidens with her, and they find the child Moses. And we see the master plan, the coincidence, right? We see, wow, how did that happen? We see them find the baby. We see... Moses' sister come and say, hey, would you like for me to find a Hebrew woman that will help you raise and nurse this child? And she goes off and gets her mother. And they say, theologians say, for at least four years, Jochebed was able to raise her son in the most formidable years of his life. Hey, can I just say this this morning? We're about to, we're about to look at a couple of things here. God didn't just take care of Moses. God showed off. Not only was Moses found by Pharaoh's daughter, he could have been found by one of the Egyptian warriors. 
He could have been found by one of the slave taskmasters. He could have been found by a wife of a brutal murderer. No, Moses was found by Pharaoh's daughter. Many believe her to be uh, the future queen Hatshepsut. Trying to get that name right. I don't want to cuss. All right? But, uh, But God allowed not only Pharaoh's daughter to find her, but then he allowed Jochebed, Moses' birth mother, to raise him for four years with the blessing of Pharaoh's daughter. But not only that, if you look in the text, I, I mean, mm, Lord have mercy. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. Listen, it was Pharaoh's daughter that found Moses. It was Moses' mother that got to raise him for four years. And she got paid to do it. She got paid by, the Pharaoh, by Pharaoh's daughter to do it. Hey, don't you love it when God doesn't just take care of us with the bare minimum? But every now and then God says, hey, I'm going to just, just overload you. I'm going to load you with mercy and grace and blessings today. Hey, listen, God showed off. God showed off in the situation. She was able to teach him and train him in the ways of the faith. A 4th century Christian bishop, Christosom, said this about these early four years. Surely Moses' mother must have related many of the stories found in early Genesis to her child. The stories of a God who spoke to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob. And who used Joseph to save the family from starvation. These all shaped Moses' sense of identity. As an adult, he would take a stand with the slave population and reject his privileged position as a prince of Egypt. Hey, why, why do we have children's ministry? Because we believe that even as young as birth to four years old, they are some of the most formidable years in the life of a human being. Kids learn more when they are younger than you will ever learn as an adult. If you don't believe me, play a song one time, and your kids will know the song. Play that song for you, and you've forgotten anything about the song two minutes later. Tell your children that they have three minutes to learn a verse of scripture by heart. And they will come back and they will recite it by heart. Our minds are so cluttered with all the years of garbage that's been in and out of our, our heads. We can't do that anymore as adults. Listen, why do we believe in those early years of children's ministry? Why right now do we have volunteers that are pouring into their, our kids spiritually? Why do we do that? Because we believe these are so important. We believe that even as preschoolers, they can learn about Jesus. We believe that even as preschoolers, they can learn of the grace and the love and the mercy of God. But God said this to Amram and to Jochebed. If you'll let go. If you'll let go of fear. If you'll let go of the unknown. If you'll let go of what could go wrong then watch me not only save Moses, but watch me give Moses back to you for four years to raise. Hey, if you'll let go, watch me not just give you Moses back, but watch me give you Moses back with a paycheck in your pocket. 
Watch me allow you, his mother, to raise him during his most formidable years. Preparing him for an incredible future. Hey, listen, God took care of Amram and Jochebed and Moses when Amram and Jochebed would just let go and watch God. And it won't stop there. We will see God over and over and over and over again work things out for Moses. This imperfect man. By the way, Moses has got serious flaws. Moses has sin issues in his life. Moses has things going on in his life uh, that um, none of us would want going on in our lives. Moses will wind up being a murderer. Uh, Moses will question God. Moses will disobey direct commands and orders from God. Moses is imperfect. But God will use this imperfect man to deliver his people from bondage and lead them through the wilderness to the promised land. It won't always be perfect or even good. In fact, the, sometimes the, the ramifications of his decisions even forfeited his, his right to go into the promised land. We'll find that out. But God will be faithful. The children of Israel were in desperate need of deliverance, and they thought that they would find that in the person of Moses until Moses was found to be an imperfect deliverer. You see, over and over again, this series will point us to the imperfect deliverer, Moses, who will then point us to the perfect deliverer, Jesus. See, the children of Israel thought they knew what they needed and thought they knew what they wanted. But at the end of the day, any human being that Israel could put over them would always fail. Now it was Moses. Later on, it would be a king, right? Saul, David. There was judges in between there. Anybody that Israel thought they could put over them and lead them always failed. You know what that was? It was pointing them to the day. It was pointing them to the perfect deliverer. It was pointing them to the perfect Savior, Jesus. I ask you this morning in closing, are you in need of a perfect deliverer? One who can redeem you from the slavery and bondage of sin in your life? One that can buy you back from the grips of Satan? His name is Jesus, and he wants to be your Savior. Followers of Jesus this morning, not just parents, even though obviously I think we directly can correlate this to parents today, but not just parents today. What part of your life do you need to just if I can ever be so bold, my friends from Parkview, if I can be so bold, there's going to have to be over the next three months, right? There's going to have to be a little, there's going to have to be some of this, right? A little bit. If we're just honest this morning. And Keystone Church, there's going to have to be some of this. In order for things to move forward for the future of our church, what's the word we use? Open-handed living. Open-handed living. What is it today, believer, that you need to drop? 
Have you been trying and trying and trying this parenting thing? I've been trying. I've been doing this. Let God. Have you gone to God as much as you've gone to parenting books and podcasts and YouTube videos? And what is it in your life this morning you need to let go? And I promise you, watch God. Just watch him. He won't do it exactly like he did in Moses' life. He'll do it differently for you. But just watch. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media ministry and outreach ministry of Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and all around the world. Visit keystonerdu.church to get involved.